talking about stories. That is the title. Yes, uh, the Bible is one story, uh, and it is connected by these different chapters that we read. We have seen God uh, create the world, and shortly after that creation, uh, we saw the fall of humankind. Humankind sinned against God, introducing this conflict, this disaster, this enemy called death, and God comes in and he says, I am going to defeat death on behalf of humankind. So God is the hero of the story uh, to show us that we are incapable of defeating death or bringing the world to a just and right place. Uh, He handed the world over to humanity, is Genesis chapter 6. And when he handed the world over to humanity, um, we saw that the intent of the human heart was only wicked all the time. So God floods the world, right? Um, delivering the world from evil, uh, destroying that which was evil, delivering one family out of the midst of the flood, and that is Noah and his family. And he made Noah a promise in Genesis chapter 8. That promise was, I will never again curse the ground on account of human sin, and I will never again destroy all living things as I have done on account of human sin, even though the intent of people's hearts is only wicked all the time. He proved that he was going to remain true to his promise when he intervened at Babel um, and confounded their languages because the people at Babel were trying to be like people in Genesis chapter 6, and God said, no, the world's not going to go that way again. So he intervened. His spirit is striving with humanity. He chose a man named Abraham to show that he wanted to bring humankind along with him. Uh, He is patient toward People, not slow as we count slowness, but patient toward people, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And uh, from Abraham came the nation of Israel. God also chose the nation of Israel for the same purpose. And even through Israel, we see God blessing uh, Egypt, uh, even in the midst of, of cursing, even in the midst of disaster and plagues. God was working for the purpose of revealing himself to Egypt, and the end result of that will be, according to the prophet Isaiah, that even Egypt will worship the Lord God. Now, Israel comes to the border of the promised land, uh, the land of Canaan. Uh, They are going into the land of Canaan under the leadership of Joshua, and they will take the land for themselves. And here's the question I have for you. Why We've already talked about why God would need to establish a people. Why do you think God, uh, in the context of this story, uh, in this plot line, according to what he is doing, would need to or want to take land for the nation of Israel? Why would the nation of Israel need, need land? We're seeing the fall, flood, Babel, Abraham, Israel, Egypt. The people are coming to Canaan. Um, And God actually instructs Joshua as the people are about to go into Canaan. Look at how God instructs Joshua. This is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel." Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness 
and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So God repeats his promise to the people of Israel, right? Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, be careful to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. I want you to remember this word success right here. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. So we have success and we have prosperity here. Remember those two words. And then you will have success. There it is, repeated again. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Um, So something about this land uh, relates to the success of Joshua and Israel under him and also um, relates to the prosperity that Joshua and the people of Israel will experience. Um, Okay, so we see prosperity mentioned often in the Bible, uh, particularly in the Old Testament concerning Israel. So we have this idea that when you do what honors God, when you obey God, uh, that God will give you some kind of prosperity as a result of that, okay? Uh, That statement in itself is not a bad statement. Uh, It is biblical, especially for the nation of Israel. And remember, this law is given to the nation of Israel. These are promises made to the nation of Israel. And so they're not going to carry directly to us, but I think the principles do. And we have to talk about what that means, what prosperity actually means uh, when it is mentioned in the Bible. If I say um, prosperity gospel, have you guys ever heard that term before? There is an idea out there um, where some... And it's normally like preachers who are very rich uh, will say something to the effect of, uh, like, if you uh, give money to the church, you will always receive like 100-fold, like what you give. And God's blessing upon your life depends on how much money you give to the church. And if your life goes badly or if you become unhealthy, that's either because you didn't give enough money to the church, because your attendance wasn't high enough, uh, or because you just did not have enough faith. And it's um, the blessing of God, according to that teaching, completely depends on the works of people. But here, God promises Israel uh, prosperity wherever they go in the land, success and prosperity. And he says that if they are careful to do his laws, Uh, careful to keep his commandments, his ordinances, his precepts, that this this is what will actually bring about success and prosperity in the land of Canaan when they go into the land of Canaan. And so we need to talk about what that means because it could very easily be misconstrued to mean what these very bad teachers teach in order to get rich, right? Uh, Ways that they take advantage of 
people. Um, so what do you think it means um, for God to bless the nation of Israel with success and prosperity in the land of Canaan? That's a key phrase there. Uh, when they keep his commands, when they love his law. So remember, Joshua is going into the land, right? They're just now going into the land. So success means primarily victory and battle. Okay. So if the Israelites are obeying God's law, doing things the way God wants them to do, following the, the word of God, his instructions, they won't lose. Why? Because God is the one fighting for them. So success, when the Israelites are going into the land of Canaan, that one's easy. But then we get it prosperity, um, particularly prosperity within the land. And I think you're correct uh, in everything that you said. Um, but think with me about uh, what it means for land, particularly, to be very prosperous, so much so that it, it supports a whole nation and makes a nation rich. Okay, it bears fruit, yes. Uh, it is, uh, the soil is nutritious. Uh, plants can grow. Crops can grow, uh, which means cattle can eat. When cattle can eat, people can also eat. Uh, the, the health of the land means that business uh, can thrive in every arena of business. Business can thrive. It means politics can do what is uh, good for uh, the people. Uh, politicians can do what is good for the people. Kings can love their people and lead their people. It doesn't mean they always do, but they, but they can if the land is bountiful. Uh, every good thing about a nation depends on land being bountiful uh, because that is the source of our Food, the land is the source uh, of the materials we, we gather to, to make houses for ourselves, dwelling places. Uh, the land is ultimately where the water is. So if the land is unhealthy, the, the water is also unhealthy. And that's everything that people need to survive. But not only survive, thrive, right? And so everything about prosperity here, it has to do with the land. Why give Israel a nation God has chosen for himself, land that will be bountiful so that Israel can, can thrive, so that Israel can thrive as his representative on the earth, as the people through whom God will teach the entire world, all of humanity, right? And last week we learned Egypt included, the nation through which God can teach all of humanity peace and justice and mercy. How to be godly in the way that they do things so that people the world over will learn to thrive. Now think back with me to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, this is where the conflict was introduced. We're going to connect this to the previous parts of the story like the land that God is giving now, right? Think back to Genesis chapter 3. Um, when Adam sinned, what was the result of his sin? What did God tell Adam? That he would have to work the fields, that it would be toil for him, it would produce thorns and thistles for him. Why? Because through him the ground was cursed. Okay, so we have the ground being cursed. Genesis chapter 3 is a result of human sin. That curse reigns supreme in Genesis chapter 6, right? The curse is still there. Uh, which is one reason I, I think that the entire world was given over to violence because things were very, very 
difficult. There was this curse that meant that the land would not produce for people like God had designed it to produce. It was not bountiful, right? God floods the world, and then in comes Noah. He delivers Noah, and he promises Noah something about the curse. So we're tracing the curse now, something about the curse. What does he say in Genesis chapter 8 at the end there? That he will never again curse the the what? The ground on account of humankind, because of human sin. And then we get here when he's instructing Joshua to take Israel into the land of Canaan. And he's like, if you obey my law and in the law, throughout the law, there is a lot about taking care of the ground, the land. Did you know that farmers were required to let the land rest every seven years? And for a whole year, not plant anything on that plot of land. It was, this was called a Sabbath year. And in, in the same way, uh, people were not to uh, destroy the land or gather resources that they did not need. According to laws in the Bible for the nation of Israel going into the land. And, and God says that if you follow my law, if you obey my commands, if you do what I tell you, I created this, I know how to treat it. If you, if you treat the land like I instruct you to treat the land, you will be a prosperous people. It will always produce for you, and it won't just produce what you need. It will produce much more than you need. This is biblical prosperity. And so it's not this, give a lot of money to the church and God will supernaturally give you a lot of stuff in return. It is this, if we live by the precepts of God's law, if we love God's law, and we treat creation, the earth, like God instructs us to treat the earth, live by those precepts, the land will actually be bountiful for us. The prosperity will be for all of, all of the people. We live by the precepts of God's law, right? And the land flourishes. There is bounty, there is prosperity. Um, what do you think this principle means for nations today? We as people, we have a tendency to use everything up because we're selfish, right? But here God says, don't just use everything up. Be wise about the way you use resources, right? Uh, don't kill the land in order to glean from the land, like protect the land too. If you protect the land, if you protect the, the ground that you have been given, it will continue to produce for you. And nations that follow these biblical principles, that have it written into their own laws where the people uh, actually care to take care of the, the land itself um, for the good of all people rather than just try to selfishly, uh, in their greed, seek all the gain they can for themselves. Nations where this, that's the norm, like n these nations actually prosper and economies are better, more people are provided for and all of that because people love the law of God. And that's what God is promising for Israel here. So God, he takes Israel into the, the land, right? Uh, promises this prosperity, which is not anything like what we call the prosperity gospel today. Instead, it's these general principles like take care of the earth and it will take care of you. Like that's real, right? There will be great bounty. There will be prosperity, um, so that people with good work ethic will glean a lot from 
the bounty that God provides and be able to enjoy the bounty that God provides. This is quite different. It's quite a step up from what we saw in Genesis chapter 3 when God cursed the ground, and now it's going to produce thorns and thistles for you, right? And it's quite a step up from what we saw in Genesis chapter 6 when the whole world was filled with violence. Um, God has not only chosen a people now, representing the fact that he wishes to redeem humanity, but he has also chosen a land for this work to start, where he is beginning to renew the effects of the curse we saw in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, where he's renewing the actual ground, the, the earth. So we see the progress that God is making in the story. What do you think it means for us today? Like, it's cool to see the connection, cool to see the story progressing. Yes, but we also want to grow spiritually tonight, right? So what does it mean for us today?